0: it really depends on the first in, the individual taking that first step of here's a framework why i think we should go what does that look like here's our timeline here's our accomplishments and really setting only one to two objectives because as a startup as i mentioned before you don't have that much time and everything changes pretty quickly
1: hi and welcome to dreams with deadlines a podcast where you'll hear real stories of trials and victories in business. I'm Jenny Harold, VP of Product Marketing at GTM Hub. Our mission is to prevent organizational hypocrisy. Inspired by the proven objectives and key results goal-setting methodology, GTM Hub offers the most flexible results management system for mission-driven organizations. Check us out at gtmhub.com to learn more. John Quayle joins me in today's episode of Dreams with Deadlines. He's the Chief of Staff of 4Growers. In a nutshell, they work on robots that pick ripened tomatoes in greenhouse environments. 4Growers just closed a $5 million seed round and were a part of Y Combinator. In 2019, they won an award for Top Tech Startup of the Year. We demystify the Chief of Staff role for a minute, chat about John's take on the art of planning goals, and different ways for growers works on executing with excellence. Spoiler alert, they use OKRs. Let's jump in. And today we have John Quayle joining us. He's got a lot of experience. He mentioned to me that he had over like 18 jobs, I think, at this point. <laughs> He's nodding head yes. Uh, so we're gonna start with a question like, so who's John? And how'd you get where you are today? And I want to mention too, that you're now a chief of staff for a company called For Grower. So let's jump into that too, if you don't mind.
0: Sure. My name is John. Uh, I'm an operations professional for small businesses, startups, and what I like to call brands that are economies of one. And so what that basically means is in bu- businesses that are built through a single individual or single personality, could be the creator, could be an athlete, could be uh, a writer, whatnot, but for the most part, really focusing on working with uh, small teams to grow companies from scratch or from some sort of a small start point. Uh, a little bit of background about myself. My undergraduate degree is in graphic design. So I spent the first five years or so as a in marketing about seven years or so, kind of moved to operations from design. And the last handful of years, been acquiring experience through freelance opportunities, starting my own businesses, um, working with angel investors. Um, and these days I work for a company called Four Growers as the chief of staff. And I've been there for about three
1: months. Well, tell us about Four Growers since you mentioned that. What does? I think you have a very interesting story and congratulations on the close of your seed round. You mentioned that you closed a seed round of 5 million, but who are Four Growers? What are you all about? Yeah, Pork
0: Growers is an ag tech industrial automation company, and we were founded to provide healthy, affordable local produce by reducing production costs for greenhouse growers. And basically, we do that through the creation and finalization of robotics technology. And so we're positioning ourselves to be the automated solutions provider for greenhouse crop management. And the company started in 2017. We were part of Y Combinator in 2018. And for the last couple of years, we've been... uh, commercializing the product and discovering what is really needed through customer discovery, outreach, research, all the to-dos that most companies go through as uh, as they grow from uh, an idea to an actual company.
1: So for like the normal folks out there who are like robotics, growers, you tell me what that actually means. And just like, if we were to explain this to our children, you know, if our nieces or nephews, like the young kids out there, what what does this all mean at the end of the day?
0: So if you were to explain it to your niece or nephew, we build robots that pick vegetables in greenhouses. So without human interaction, we have it set up uh, throughout the greenhouse where it can scan, it can figure out which produce that needs to be picked, it can pick it, package it, and bring it back.
1: So we're using robots to pick our vegetables now. Yes. Very cool. And I guess the next question after that is, didn't this already exist at scale, kind of? I guess this happened you know, out in the farmland. But you mentioned this is indoors, I guess. Is that different? Yes.
0: So one of the things we're seeing is that we believe most agricultural norms will be moved. Maybe not, it's not norms, but most agriculture uh, tendencies will be moved indoors. Because mm-hmm. what we're seeing with greenhouses in terms of use of pesticides, chemicals, um, the ability to grow year-round, we're seeing more and more produce being uh, structured indoors just because you can really set your own environment, right? And when you look at outdoor environments, landscape is different from farm to farm. There's Mm -hmm. no uniform standards. But when you move everything indoors, you can have a set standards of what does the building look like? How does does it position? How do you operate it? What kind of temperature control do you have? um, What kind of system that you use in terms of uh, water usage? Everything can be tailored to what you need.
1: Neat. So you're a chief of staff now at Four Growers. I want to demystify this because I think when we hired a chief of staff, a lot of folks probably thought, what do they actually do? And I know that varies by company to company. And I remember you mentioning, if you explain this to your family and friends, you're like, isn't this a government role? And you're like, no, that's not exactly it. So how do you explain it to your family, what it is that you do?
0: Yeah, I think it's a good comment where people say, oh, there's John, what does he do in this company again? Right. Um, It's understanding of he's working and he's working on projects, but I don't know what he does, but I see him every day. Um, So for us, or I should say for myself, chief of staff originally came out in the government sector. So it was a buffer between leadership and their staff and really managing different projects. But from a private standpoint, chief of staff, at least for startups, is an independent resource that Can help finalize goals and strategies and execute on those goals and strategy independently of being a part of any other department. So I don't have a team. I'm not part of marketing or sales or product. I'm I report to the CEO. I get handed assignments and I go execute on those. And essentially, I also be become a glue piece to the rest of the company. Of if there needs to be managed or scaled, it ends up on my desk. Or if it needs to be Dealt with immediately, like putting out fires. That's something that is that falls on me. I'm the first person to respond, last person out. That type of mentality.
1: Hmm. And so, I feel like you already answered this question, but if you can succinctly kind of share with our audience. What would the value add of a chief of staff be, especially considering where you're at at your company stage? I think a lot of times, even if we were to talk, I mean, we just mentioned that chief of staff is often associated with government, like that's kind of a big institution. It makes sense that somebody would need to drive massive portfolio adjustments to, you know, whatever it is that the government is trying to produce. What is the value add for a small business that's trying to get something like you said from ideation to actual market?
0: I think it comes down, hiring a chief of staff for a small business or a startup, you're essentially amplifying leadership. And so what I mean by that is most CEOs or CTOs or whatever C-level suite that you wanna assign it to, they're responsible for vision and strategy and they're not able to really pick up some of the smaller pieces. So what a chief of staff does is they handle all the uh, small problems, they amplify leadership message and direction and they essentially become the glue when the team is scaling so, for instance, if you and I if you were uh, the CEO and I was the Chief of Staff for you and you said, "Okay, John,, uh, we have our taxes due. Uh, you need to talk, talk to our accountant, you need to talk to our lawyer. you need to uh, we need to do a time study of how our team how, how our team spent um, their time. Well, obviously, as the CEO, you could do that, but maybe it's not the best use of your time. So you could say, "Okay, John, go do this. Come back to me with the results." And so for as a chief of staff for small businesses and startups, what you essentially want to do is you want to simplify and translate up. And that means don't, don't focus on the details, keep it direct. Um, so it's basically, what are we dealing with? How do we solve it? And what do I need from leadership in terms of next steps and actions?
1: What do I need to deal with? How do I need to solve it? And what are the next steps and actions?
0: Right. So you, you essentially say... This is the situation. This is how I think we should solve it. Here are our options. What do you think? And if we were to solve this, here's what I need from you. Maybe it's a signature. Maybe it's a decision. Maybe Maybe funding. Funding. Maybe it's bringing in somebody else to solve this as a team. Really kind of honing in on what needs done.
1: So really, it's that, like you said, you know, they have a vision. They have the strategy. What they need is someone to operationalize this. And it may require multiple, let's say, functions or departments. Sometimes it's difficult to get those folks together to get something going. So you're kind of project managing whatever that problem statement was to ensure that whatever the CEO needed to get done actually gets done. And I see the value add in that.
0: Yeah, it's about finalizing the strategy and then being the executioner on those first few layers.
1: Speaking of... I saw on on your, uh, you have your own webpage, and you had written an article in there that I thought was really cool, and it's called The Art of Planning Goals. And I have a tendency to be a bit of a productivity nerd myself. I've worked on a few productivity tools over the course of my time. Can you like walk us through, firstly, what your art of planning goals really, what was the background or the the catalyst for you to write something like this? Let's start there. And then we'll talk through what it actually is and then how we can apply this outside of what you originally intended, because I thought it would be neat to be able to expound upon it even on this podcast.
0: I think for me, I'm always focused on, am I spending my time the right way? And I think this is a problem or this is a challenge that most people face of, I, you know, we all have 24 hours in a day, how are we spending it? So for me, when I wrote this uh, and I published it at the beginning of this year, it was, how do I set my own goals? How can I teach others or at least provide a data point of, here's how I approach this. You can use it you could modify it and it really started out of answering the question am i using my time the right way and if i'm not how do i define that and how do i structure that so that i am
1: let's talk about because i think it's it's a good time we're coming up to like the end of the quarter a lot of companies think about end of quarter wrap up and then you know last quarter of the year planning thought that would be a really interesting part to kind of delve into what are some of the questions apart from the you know, requisite, how do we do? And what would we improve kinds of questions? Because those seem obvious. You added, a, you know, I think a nice additional layer to how to think through your performance in a previous period, and then how to project that moving forward. Can you talk through some of that for us?
0: So one of the things I really like is using what I call false limitations. And so when we look at quarters or uh, years no matter what goals we're setting for the department or the company, one of the things I'd like to put in is, what if we add a false limitation? So what I mean by that is, if we set out to do X and we gave ourselves six months to do it, you can say, okay, did we accomplish this? Good, bad, where did we miss the mark? But when you add a false limitation, you can say, what if we only had one month to do this? What if we only had three months to do this? And so what ends up happening in your head is that, no matter how ridiculous it is. So let's say we need to raise a a new seed round in three months, $5 million. It's like, okay, what if we only had six weeks to do it? How would we do it? And what that encourages people to do is understand, okay, how do we approach this? How do we uh, make the best use of our time? What matters versus what doesn't matter? And who is responsible for what? And how do we work together as a team? So regardless of, like I said, what you're doing, what goals you have, whether it's one year, three year, five year, it's if you can put in false limitations, you'll quickly figure out what you want to do and how do you get that done using, using the resources that you do have.
1: It sounds like you just cut the fluff. I mean, if you're gonna try to summarize it in a different way, you're cutting the fluff, right? Because if you give yourself the allowances say six months, I mean there's a lot of stuff you can do in now in six months. That's half a year. Whereas if you constrain that you call it false limitations, but it's really a constraint of if this is all the runway that we had, what would we do different? And that's when you would start to, I guess the way that you put it before in our kind of pre-call is you make trade-offs. Right. Can you tell us a story about how you've utilized that technique with your team where maybe you had a goal in mind and at four growers or even a previous experience, but let's stick with your current engagement where you are all, were like, we need to get this done. We know that we need to get it done. And then you included that false limitation in your assessment of your plan. What did that look like? How did it pan out?
0: So for four Growers, and especially other examples, when you're a startup, you only have so much runway, especially if you're pre-revenue, right? So you raise your money, you set your budgets, you set your expectations. And so instead of constraints, there's really actual constraints that you have to deal with. Now you can move the needle, you can make them shorter, you can make them longer. One of the things we're trying to do right now is really perfect the product before we deploy it into the market. What does that look like? What two or three key features or key things that we need to work on? And how do we get that done that aligns with our timeline of for the remainder of this year and next year? And how does it also tie into what the customer wants? You know, you ask all of these traditional questions and it really ties into, okay, we have one month to do this part of the product. Can we do it? Yes or no?
1: Who do you get the yeses from or the yes and no from? I think it comes down from
0: top down from leadership. But when mm. you're in a startup, especially with four growers, we're only six people. It's there. Are no, There are no walls, literally and physically. We're in a one open floor plan, but there isn't a hierarchy really established. Whereas, okay, Everybody knows where the company is. Everybody can see where we're going. Everybody has a rough idea on timeline. So it's understanding where we are, what we're trying to do, how much time do we have left, and really pulling together as a team. Because for the six individuals, you have to trust and know each other and really depend on each other. Because if you don't get this done, that could potentially mean the end of the
1: company. To that end, I mean, so there's a lot of, it sounds like, grit that you just kind of build in as being part of a startup, what are some really, I don't know, since you're super strong in operations, like your internal, not processes, but maybe we call them uh, rituals. Like what rituals, operational rituals have you all kind of implemented at For Growers that really catapult your execution?
0: For us, what really works is crunching down feedback and communication. So most people say, okay, here are our quarter goals. We want to accomplish these three things, and here's how we're going to measure it. For startups, and especially us, we almost kind of crunch it down to a week-by-week basis because there are plenty of things that are going to happen that we don't know about, something that will pop on our desk, maybe we run a challenge or an issue. So for a startup, we need to really be in communication with each other all the time. So you, we can say, Okay, for this quarter we want to accomplish this in product, we want to accomplish this in finance, but we continue to update each other on a weekly basis. Not necessarily for open discussion, but hey, this is what we set, here's an update, here's what we're thinking about for next week or the following month, here's what we're going to do. And then keep everybody informed because if you focus on a short timeline and focus on the details and getting things done, it it helps build camaraderie between the team but it also really holds you self accountable just because each department could be one person so you really have to depend on each other and you really have to get things done no matter what no matter what is put in front of you
1: how do you make sure that you know there's kind of a a balance between reporting updates which you know in earnest like that a lot of meetings end up devolving into this amazing status update. And you're just like, why are we having this as a status update? Like, how do you make it so that your meetings, your conversations are really keyed in on whatever it is that you need at that moment, right? Because in my worldview, there seems to be you know, two schools of thought. A meeting really could be about expanding on something. So that's your brainstorming, like get as many ideas out as, you, as we can out there. And then there's the other kind of meetings, which is really a contraction meeting. We need to come to a decision. And we need these people to come to that decision together. And I would argue that status updates really should be something that could be held in a different medium altogether, ideally written, because people can look at it and reflect on it and ask questions about it. And you have a place to point to, but it doesn't take up all of that meeting time. Do you follow a similar logic flow when you're thinking through how you conduct meetings at for growers? Like, how does this we need to make sure that everybody is in the know about what they need to know about so that we can make progress and hold ourselves accountable. How do you make those kinds of distinctions at 4Growers so that you're still communicating whilst also being able to focus on your execution because you know that the communication's held somewhere?
0: Right. I, I'm sure we've all been a part of meetings where we kind of look at it and it's like, does this really need to be a meeting? Right. Or you're right. Or if you know, when's when's the last meeting you had that You're like, why am I a part of this?
1: (laughs) Or why is such a person not here?
0: (laughs) Right. But for us, it's about really setting okay, here's Mm -hmm. our weekly update, our all hands. You have 15 minutes as a team. It gets 15, 20 minutes, it gets cut off, meaning you get a couple bullet points you want to just talk about. We have an open document that we work together on, but don't focus on the details. High level. Here's what we did in product, here's what we did in finance, here's what we did in marketing great. If you want to dive deeper into that, we open the opportunity for people to talk with that specific individual and saying, Oh, I, n- I noticed you mentioned that you're starting a new marketing campaign next month, and you're focusing on these mediums. I'd like to learn more information. It's not an open dialogue. It's here's, here's where we are. Here's the status. Move on. Because for us, it's like we notice that after 20, 30 minutes, maybe some people get disengaged with what's going on, especially if it's not their department. And frankly, maybe they don't care. You're like, well, I'm an engineer and they're talking about finance. That's not my bag, right? It's like, meh, should I pay attention? I'll look like I'm paying attention, but I'm not really paying attention. right? So for us, it's about really keeping it succinct uh, to the point of high level, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, wrap up. Anybody can go into whatever separate conversation they want to. And also to your point, if it requires any sort of uh, decision or additional information, we can put that in an email or Slack, or we can kind of transform that to another written down uh, piece.
1: Internally, what jargon do you use when you decide that you're going to put that as an external piece? Every company has their own, you know, taxonomy or language about this. Sometimes people are like, we're going to park that for now, or we're going to take this offline, which I'm just like, but all of us are online and you're going to be online again. So I find that funny. Out of curiosity, what language do you use to kind of signal, thanks for that, but this is not the forum for this?
0: I don't think there are any specific words or phrases we do use. Okay. Um, What's interesting is we are in an environment, we're all in person, so Mm. we're not remote. And what's different about In person versus remote is that you can kind of give a quick look to somebody, not in in an embarrassing uh, way, yeah, embarrassing way. Just like, okay, talk to me later about that. Uh, (laughs) And if you really understand your your coworkers and their personalities, you can say, well, John's having a bad day, or John doesn't want to get into this, so I picked up context clues that I'll talk to him about this later, Right? right? And I think when you do any sort of video calls or team all hands via online methods, you kind of lose that.
1: Right. I think so, too, because you just can't pick up on the body language. So there's a a plus one for why working in office is great. In terms of your own goal setting for your organization, what does that look like? Because, I mean, you know what this podcast is about. It's dreams with deadlines. And you're a goal setter yourself. I mean, goodness, you wrote your own... Uh, article about how you're going to personally manage what the heck you're going to do with your time. How do you? How did you evolve that as kind of the operational lead or the execution lead, if you will, for your company, that right-hand person to your CEO, to get your organization focused on the goals that are supposed to support that strategy?
0: Yeah, I think it comes down to what I like to call a position of editing, where when you set goals, whether as a team or as an individual, you really the first level of it is brain dumping, right? Mm-hmm. What is it? What makes sense to achieve? Why are we achieving this? Why does this matter? It really depends on the first in, the individual taking that first step. Of here's a framework why I think we should go. What does that look like? Here's our timeline. Here's our accomplishments, and really setting only one to two objectives because as a startup, as I mentioned before, you don't have that much time, and everything changes pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So if I said to you. You know, if you were part of our startup, I said, Jenny, I want you to create eight different goals. You would probably look at me like, why why am I doing this?
1: John, this is what? (laughs) Eight?
0: Eight? Why are we dealing with eight? Um, And so when I said to you, okay, for your department, I want you to create two. Just two. Focus on that. And put two or three key results from that so we know that we're on track uh, and we're measuring it correctly. And then that's it. So the f- first person brings in a framework. They have it, They set the table. And then another person or the team comes in and says, okay, we're going to look at this review. We're going to say, well, I don't like this. Or maybe we should think about this differently. Or why does this metric make sense for measurement? And so we f- we finalize it as a team. And then once that is finalized, we set it to responsible you know, Someone takes responsibility for it. And goes off to the races
1: and how do you ensure so is that a part of your regular reflection your the updates for your okr so your objectives and key results like how does that get woven into this communication flow that you had mentioned earlier
0: it does but not on a weekly basis so like when we have an all hands as a team every week we we quickly go through those status updates but in terms of objectives and key results we kind of pigeon that into other separate meetings. Okay. Essentially, essentially because whether it's product, whether it's finance, whether it's marketing, whether it's uh culture and vision, not all six, the six of us, we need, we don't need to meet together. Maybe that's three people. Maybe that's two people. Mm. Maybe that's four people. And so we want to maximize the time we spent building this business. So that's often just kind of, Hunted it into a separate meeting.
1: And is it a res- the responsibility of each of those, let's say owners for the objectives or the key results, depending on how you split it? Is it. their responsibility to kind of draw together all of those interested parties to discuss, Hey, we need to move in a needle here. It's kind of stalled. What are we going to do about it? It's, it's, and it's their initiative to be able to kind of keep that conversation going, or do you have kind of a standard across the, all six of your different folks, like you will do it this way. Have you codified it that way yet?
0: No, I think we leave it up to the individual. Uh, We have a high level of autonomy, especially those who have specific skill sets. Because what we don't want to do is saying, at least not at this point yet, because we're uh, we're so small. We understand that you have a skill set or expertise in X. We -hmm. want you to maximize that skill set. So let us know how you think we should approach this. And so we kind of leave it up to the individual. And obviously, there are things that you can kind of mold and shape and help them with that. But there hasn't been a process of ABC, one, two, three, you do this or forget it.
1: Okay. And oftentimes, we'll talk about like an OKR champion kind of, you know, shepherding the overall process. Would that fall to you?
0: I think that would fall to the CEO just because Very cool. he's checking in on each department and how's, how each individual is performing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, it might, there might be some next steps, a follow-up that fall on me of, okay, I met with our lead engineer on this product. Here's what we talked about. Here's our follow-up. Can you execute, for, execute on this for me? But for the most part, because we're so small and as we're growing, it still falls on, the, on leadership and, CEO, and the CEO position or the CTO depending on what the department is.
1: So since you're kind of in your first 90 days, it seems to be a very important number of days, first three months in most people's careers. I mean, there's a stinking book that says first 90 days, right? What were the key things that you thought in your first 30 days as chief of staff for this organization that you were like, this is what I gotta do. This this is the plan. This is how my first 30 days should look. By 60 days, I should look like this. My first 90, this is what I should have been able to have turned around or- establish what did that look like for you
0: so let me ask you this when you started in your role Mm. did you get any top-down goals for your position saying jenny i want you to accomplish this in 30 60 90 or was it just
1: figure it out it was very much figured out very much figure it out um similar to your organization we do okrs so i needed to figure it out rather quickly (laughs) (laughs) and and that has evolved. quite a bit since the beginning, because as you mentioned, like things change so quickly or we would consider ourselves kind of in the scale up phase of our business. So I think similar to you, I think this is what you're, you're kind of sussing out is no one necessarily probably told you what to do, but for yourself, how did you define it? Well,
0: thankfully what the two co-founders did for my position was when I, on day one, they essentially gave me a sheet that says, we want you to accomplish these three or four things. in for the first 90 days, they told you, you they did. you know. They have a whole rubric for every position. And this is kind of what we do when we hire somebody and saying, before we bring somebody on the team, whether they're an engineer, whether they're a marketer, whether they're in finance, we say, why do we need this person? And then when we bring them on, what do we want them to accomplish in the first 90 days?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so when, when I stepped in, I was actually given a task of four to five different things and saying, You know, here's what we need from a facilities and operations standpoint. Here's what we need from an HR standpoint. Here's what we need from a finance standpoint. How you accomplish these things and on what timeline in those first 90 days is up to you. But here's what we want to see out of you. Best of luck.
1: How do you feel about that?
0: I actually liked it as somebody that is that takes so many notes and writes bullet points and to do lists and I live and die by my Evernote. Right. Where I just kind of brain dump and sometimes it's messy and sometimes it's really precise. Having somebody to say to me, Welcome to the team. This is what we Do's need. Your this is what we need.
1: <laughs> Here's why and you're that here. was like
0: because I had never experienced that before. Ever. 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 In your
1: 18 different or like jobs, you never I yeah, I, I, under, I can appreciate that honestly though. I really can.
0: Yeah. Because think think about your experiences when you started on a on a day one of a job, has anyone really come by and pulled you aside and said, "Hey Jenny, this is what we want you to do." Right. I mean, yes, there's the job description and what you're responsible for, but I've never really had somebody say, "Here's a silver platter of what we think you should do. So you should either verify it and accomplish it, or tell us why we're wrong." Wow. Really change those metrics and change those objectives because again, it's easier to go from a point of editing versus from a point of creating from scratch
1: 100 with you that blank page problem really gets at everybody you know especially when you're a new, a new hire you're like just there's it's a blank page what am i supposed to do how do i fit where do i go what needs to be done what's not happening right now and you have to a- assess all of it for yourself but to have a senior leader come in and be like this is it, this is where we found the gaps and this is why we hired you because you can do stuff like that. I think that sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, and especially when you're in those first few weeks and you're trying to learn the team, you're trying to learn their systems, you're trying to learn the personalities behind the team. You know, from an operations standpoint, like I was going through the budget of what are our monthly expenses? What are the patterns in those expenses? There was so much to learn. And so when I can say, okay, I'm trying to figure all of this out but I can relate back to my 90 days, my 90-day goals and saying, okay, if it doesn't apply to one of those three things or one of those four things, punt it. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. And that is so re- refreshing from a new employee standpoint because you can get tied up in so many little different things. And a week goes by, a month goes by. And they're like, oh, so what did you get accomplished? And you're like, well, I did A, B, and C. When in reality, you should have been focusing on X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm.
1: John, do you think of OKRs in that same kind of guise? Because I do. I was curious about as being somebody who is a part of a company who does look at objectives, key results. You all are obviously very driven. Like, Do you do you look at your OKRs with the same kind of, I don't know, you had twinkles in your eyes. I'll, I'll admit it. <laughs> when you were like, Jenny... When I first got hired and they were like, this is where we think the gaps are. Here's where, this is the direction you need to go. Tell us why we're wrong or make it happen. I have the same kind of excitement whenever we set goals and we're looking at what happened and we're looking ahead. I'm curious what you think about your goal setting and, and if you get that same sort of energy off of, wow, I have so much clarity now about where to sink my time. And, and not in a like time suck kind of sink, but a I'm actually delivering value kind of sink.
0: For extra context, I'm the kind of person that when you when I go on vacation, I find it fun to map out everything. Like, I'm a big mapper, so when whether it's prefer- professional or personal, one of my f- things, one of my first things I do is I just brain dumb and saying, okay, how do I need to spend my time? What am I, you know, how do I approach this? What do I need to do in each department? You know, what do I want to get accomplished in? over the next year, six months, three months, one month, needless to say, I get really excited and I nerd out and I just plan, plan, plan because I'm of the mindset of, I would rather spend three times as much time planning and going in the right direction, even if it's slowly versus speeding off in the wrong direction and having to correct later on.
1: Oh, that's a quotable quote right there. That is the quotable quote right there. If you didn't know y'all that are listening, <laughs> that's what you should be thinking about. Cool. keep going.
0: Um, I love to set structure, so even if you know, even if you give me a task to do, I'll break it down. Here's what how I think this should go. Here's what needs to be done. Oh, and a, as a bonus, if I disappear and this needs to be put on somebody else and somebody else needs to pick this up and run with it, here's what they need to do, and here's what they need to understand. so ah,
1: oh, nice.
0: It's not only is it setting structure for yourself and how you approach work, but it's also a recording of here's our challenge, here's what we want, here's the process, and what happens if someone else needs to be responsible for that? How do you make that transition seamless, and what do they need to know?
1: So now that you're wrapping up the queue, what's top of mind for you? how how do you navigate end of queue, ramp up to four? Yeah, because q four is kind of the big deal for many organizations because, this is clutch time. We had a whole year. We're three quarters of the way through. We want to crush whatever we have left so that at you know Q1 next year, we're starting off strong. How do you help your organization and your CEO and leadership in particular to kind of navigate this last bit?
0: So it comes down to if you have a good recording process of at the beginning of the year, we want to accomplish all of these things. Now that we're approaching the last quarter, if you have a understanding of where you're coming from and what was it done. It's much, much easier to say, we accomplished these four things. We still want to do these three things. Out of those, the remaining three things, which one is the most important? Why is it? How how will it affect our company moving forward? And for me, it's understanding, okay, really being direct and honest with leadership and saying, I see that you're focusing on, This item in product, this item in finance, and setting that constraint again of saying if you can only do one, which one would you do? Mm -hmm. Why? And so I really, I'm really trying to get the uh, leadership and also my coworkers to understand set priorities and have extreme focus because do we want to get everything done? Of course we do. But in the event that we can't, what are one or two things that we can do together as a team, as individuals? To really move the needle and set up ourselves, uh, set ourselves up for a fantastic next year.
1: Now that you're you're ninety days in, how do you feel about your role now? In looking back and kind of checking in with yourself, and kind of the progress that you've made for, with your team, how are you feeling about it all?
0: I feel really good. You know, at first when you jump into any new environment, you feel like you're just turning on the water hose and full blast and putting it right in your face, of like. I don't know what's going on. There's too many things. There are so many people I don't know, whether that's coworkers or vendors or partners, uh, third party partners like accountants and attorneys and investors. Who are these people? Like, what am I supposed to do? And as you go along in those first 90 days, you understand, okay, here's what happens at the end of every month. Here's, you build a mind map of how does this organization work? And for me, as somebody that really kind of records everything, both from a perspective of sharing it with the team and also sharing it, you know, keeping it to myself so I understand it correctly, it's much easier now because, okay, I have a, here's what I have to do. Here's what's left to be done. Here's who's responsible for so many different things. I can pull in peop- the appropriate people when I need to. And also from a 90-day perspective, I have a better rapport with my coworkers and saying, okay, I know how they act. I know how to get the best out of them. I know what their personalities are like, as opposed to just first few weeks. You're new. I don't know how you operate. So I'm just going to throw something in, into the, or throw caution to the wind. But now 90 days are in, everything's much more streamlined. You have a better, I have a better sense of what's going on, what needs to be done and how I can get the best out of me and my coworkers.
1: I'm really excited for you. I think it sounds like you're gearing up for a really nice close end of year. And like you mentioned, a strong Q1. We're going to wrap up with some quick fire questions real quick. Sure. Even though I just said that it was real quick. So I just sandwiched quick. That's what it means. First is you mentioned you're a planner. Like You plan on your off time and you plan on your on time, on time being professional. What's your dream? It could be professional. It could be personal.
0: I think my immediate thought goes to breaking it down into professional and personal. So from a professional side, I really want to grow this company and help grow it because with our seed round finalized, we're trying to double our headcount. So Mm -hmm. we're going to go from six to 11 and 12, just like that. Uh, And that brings along certain growing pains, culture fits, understanding how things uh, operate from a daily and monthly perspective. So I'm very excited about that. And so for me, that's kind of what I'm thinking about professionally. From a personal standpoint, given the fact the last year and a half or so has, have been somewhat limited, it's going back to my, what do I want out of life, travel goals, what do I experiences I want to have? And I've written them down and I have a history of the last four to five years of doing that and saying, like, okay, wow. which ones make sense? Which ones don't matter anymore? What make you know, what gets boosted to top priority? And then going out and executing on that. But at the same time, I guess, to give you an actual answer and not hypothetical structure. (laughs) Thanks, um, John. For me, it's about really succinctly putting my structure approach into something that's digestible and publishing it. Whether that be be on my website or something, that's something I really want to do over the next three to six months. And saying, okay, if you're a startup and you need operations help, or if you need just a framework of how you approach this. Here's what I've done. Here's what I'm thinking about because it really doesn't make sense for me to hold it in my own head. I want to share it with others and have a discussion about it and improve it. So I think the one way that I can do that is try to teach it, try to publish it, ask for feedback, share it with others, and then grow maybe a community around
1: that. Very cool. Very cool. So it's John's Nerd out planning exposed to everyone,
0: right? And so, I, I over the summer I tested a a brand that I started. It's called Atlantic Arrow. Okay. So, if anybody's interested in it, it's for operators of small businesses and startups um, under ten million in annual rev, somewhere around there. So, I'm actually doing a newsletter. I've done three or four issues. It's still wet cement mode, but that's one of the things I'll really dive into for the rest of this year and early next year and building that out.
1: I think that's awesome. Very cool. We'll link to that in the episode notes for sure. Second question. I mean, you joined four growers. What do you, what do you really love about your team? What's so great about this team?
0: The amount of trust and autonomy we have in each other. Hmm. We all know that we want to accomplish this goal. We all know that it's something that needs attention in our society. So fruit production, food scarcity, it's a very important goal. And so for us, it's about coming together, trusting each other, depending on each other, pushing each other to higher limits or higher, you know, breaking through the glass ceiling, so to speak, and just being so supportive of each other. That's what I really like about the environment. Yes, it's high risk. Yes, it's high responsibility. And you better bring your A game pretty much every day, or I should say most days, we all have our bad days. But it's being challenged but knowing you'll be supported in that challenge.
1: Mm, I like that. Being challenged, but knowing that you'll be supported in that challenge. I mean, it sounds like you're in the right place at the right time. Very cool. Last thing. I mean, you've had quite a journey, quite an experience. What you're trying to do is really innovative, I think. All that wrapped up from the experiences that you've had and the way that you operate and the way you think, what would you say is like your number one piece of advice that you would give to another chief of staff out there who's like I I don't I don't know where to go from here or you know like what out of your experience set what advice do you have to offer to the the chief of staff community and if we want to limit it to the un, you know startup scale up because I think that makes sense the under 10 mil let's do that
0: i would just say know yourself and it sounds way too simple right but in reality we are tasked to learn so much information, whether you're a chief of staff, whether you're an engineer, whether you're a marketer, whether you're an accountant, we spend so much time trying to learn and embrace information, yet we don't spend as nearly as much time understanding who we are as individuals. And what I mean by that is everything from um, the food we eat, the, the amount of exercise we get, what makes us happy. What kind of projects do we want to dive into? What do we? What aren't we good at? What tasks or responsibilities do we know that? Oh, I hate doing that. I mm-hmm. cannot stand that. Mm. So, f- I would say for any chief of staff and anybody in general, it's take the time to really know yourself and saying what do I like, what don't I like, how do I get the best out of myself from you know physical, mental, emotional a spiritual sense what who am i and how can i build my best self for my career for my personal life and for the people that matter to me
1: All right so if we were to summarize it in like a phrase it would be conduct a self audit exactly mm.
0: um and try not to build out or try not to do anything that builds resistance to what you want to do because there's always an amount of self sabotage of oh i'll do this this and this But if a few of those things you don't like, or you're not good at, and you're not willing to invest the time to get good at those things, then you're just slowing yourself down. Mm. And so really concentrate on what are you good at? How can I outsource things I'm not good at? And how do I not build up walls uh, for myself?
1: Really sage advice, John. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I've really appreciated all your insights and experience you're able to share with our listeners. Really appreciate it. I learned a lot. Thanks.
0: Thank you for having me on.
1: That's it for this episode of Dreams with Deadlines. Thanks for listening. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe and share. Show notes can be found on gtmhub.com slash radio. If you want to learn more about our product and services, head out to gtmhub.com. If you have questions that you'd like answered on the show, shoot us an email at radio at gtmhub.com. Tune in next time.